Happy Sabbath. Now, I want you to know that when somebody comes to speak at a church and they, they put their children up front, then I know that the congregation is very proud of their children and they're very interested in their families and they want their children to know Jesus. So if that's why you've come to church today, congratulations, you are in the right place. I know that I'm in the right place because this morning I was greeted by a friend who could be young enough to be a daughter, and she greeted me as if I was family. So I don't know if in the minute that you were given by Peter, you had chance to tell your neighbor that they're family. If you didn't get that chance, please take another 30 seconds while I continue to talk to you to just nudge your neighbor and say, you know what, because you came today, you're family. All right? Taya, Taya did an awesome job of reading Psalm 23. Did she not? Uh, actually, she did it by memory. Did you do it by memory? She did it by memory. It was not on the monitor. Okay. So she did it by memory. And all right, Catherine, did you do it by memory too? Did you, did, did, did you do Isaiah by memory? Yes. Yes, she did. She's giving me a thumbs up. <laughs> Congratulations. The first part of what Catherine said is really a call by God to all of us. That's why she did the call to worship this morning. Come now, let us reason together. God is calling us into a conversation. He's calling us into that conversation because he is our father. He's assuming that position. And he is also saying to us as his children, as part of his family, come now, let us reason together. I like to believe that God is saying, you have the ability to understand what I'm going to tell you because I created you and therefore you will have the ability to reason. I gave you reason. I gave you opposable thumbs. I gave you the frontal cortex. I gave you the ability to reason. He is asking us to come into his presence and to have a conversation and to reason with him. He is going to talk now to us about his plan. Because you see, I believe that God, our heavenly father, is lonely. He started being lonely the very moment that Adam and Eve decided that they knew better than he did. And at that moment, when Eve decided to believe Satan, she took the apple, she took a bite, and then she rushes over to Adam and says, Hey, look, dear, I'm not dead. And Adam says, OMG, I'm going to lose my wife if I don't eat this apple. And he, gentlemen, remember this, he chooses his wife 
over God. If you have children of a marriageable age, you must understand the biggest thing you can help them to do is to not follow in Adam's footsteps. Because the biggest temptation in this world is to choose ourselves and to choose others that we love over God. So he says, come now, let's reason together. Let's reason together. Let's face it. He says, you are sinful. Now, I want to let you know that I have two words that, that you need to understand. One is sin and the other is sins. And you think, oh no, pastor's going to go and split some hairs now. You know, yes, I, I, I do own a few axes. And, and yes, I, I can split wood, but this is going to be the splitting of two very important words. Sin is the separation that happens when we choose to rebel against God. Jesus told it like this. Uh, when you break the branch off of the vine, it no longer has the sap from the vine going through, and so therefore it's going to die. We understand this. If you are in a broken relationship with God, you are going to die. This is, this is the reality of physics. It's the reality of the physical world. It is the reality of relationship with God. Now, sins are those things that we do when we are in a broken connection with God. Does that not make sense? If you are not connected to God, your actions will be sinful because you are operating in a system that is apart from God. Isaiah records God saying, come now, let us reason together. Let us reason together. Though your sins be as Scarlet. I lived for 10 years in the great state of Ohio. And you just have to say scarlet to a Buckeye. And they will say, O-H-I-O. Scarlet and gray. Come on now. Scarlet and gray. Maybe you're from Boston University. I think they have scarlet as well. Maybe just totally scarlet. I don't know why God chose scarlet except that it is the color of blood. Then he says, look, you are doing these things which are going to cost somebody their life. It's either going to be you or someone else. You are choosing to live in a life that is headed towards not life. These days we don't like to talk about death. We do everything in, uh, in our culture to, to keep on living. We, uh, we have medicine. We have all kinds of things that we do in our lives to, talk, to, to just not talk about death. So I'm not going to talk about death. It's too uncomfortable. I'm just going to call it something else. I call it not life. 
He says, come now, let us reason together, because really his, his loneliness, God's loneliness, is because we are not in his presence, and he does not feel as connected to us, and he is now going to warn us that if we are not in connection with him, we are headed towards not life. He's offering life because he wants us back with him. And to be with him, we have to want to be with him. And we have to say, yes, I I want life. I want life. He says, this is the reasonable, this is the reasonable option. Life, not life. Which would you choose, he says. But you've got this, this, this way that you're living, which is in rebellion to me. It's, it's you pulling away from me. It's you saying, like Adam and Eve said, I'm going to do it my way. That's essentially what they said, right? God, you go take a hike. I'm going to do it my way. And he says, you know what? Your way is not life. The direction of your way is away from me, and it's not life. And the things that you do, the things that you do when you're living this not life are hurtful and painful to you and to other people. And there are people that are paying the price. You are paying the price. I, you know, some people, some people want to talk about hell. They want to talk about hell and they want to say that hell is this everlasting burning fire that you're headed towards and if you're not good, you're going to go to hell and you're going to roast forever. I mean, they paint these awful, awful pictures of you know, a God that would actually do that to his loved ones. When I believe Jesus came and said, you know what? There are people living in hell right now and they're still walking the face of the earth. Matthew 25 tells us. What does it tell us? Quick quiz question. What does Matthew 24 and 25 tell us? The sheep and the goats. What's the story? Jesus says, you saw me when I was naked. And you clothed me. Have you ever seen someone who is socially Naked? Have you ever seen someone who is homeless? Praise God, this congregation has an eye for that. Congratulations for participating. And if you didn't plan to participate, please, I hope that this puts new God oriented eyeballs in your head to say that those are the people Jesus was talking about in Matthew to say that they were homeless. They were naked socially. And you put clothes on them. How about finances? Have you ever thought that that could be a prison that millions of Americans are living in? You saw me in prison, Jesus says, and you, yeah, sure, 
I'm going to say, good job. Over 2,000 word of God going to people who are incarcerated. We as a Western nation in this world have a, a very, very high percentage of our population who are incarcerated. We are the most litigious, means legal lawsuits. We are the most litigious society on earth. We love our freedom. And we're going to put somebody in jail if they go across the line and do something to us. And maybe they should be there. Not to say that they shouldn't. But Jesus says, you saw me in prison. And you visited me. You cared about me. I'm just asking you to widen your understanding of what that prison might be. And there, uh, uh, dare I say that there are marriages, maybe even in the hearing of my voice, that are not honoring God, but are hell on earth. If you are listening to Jesus today and he is saying, come now, let us reason together. The stuff you are doing when you're apart from me is hurtful. It is painful and it is hurting you. And there are, there are people out there that I want you to see that are in prison, that are, that are naked socially. What are, you, what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do? When, when we see what we see on, uh, on television, or at least I, I'm going to be very maybe somewhat critical and say, what gets served up to us on television? What gets served up to us on the internet? Which I really hope that you are taking a huge dose of Jesus in before you take in what you are served up so that you can see what is going on through his eyes. He says, come now, let us reason together this business of the sins that are happening because you are separated from me the stuff you're doing because you're choosing to go your own way is causing you a huge amount of pain but i must i must rush on because i promised you three psalms Psalm 23 is a great psalm to start with, but I must tell you about its author first. Long before Jesus, there was a shepherd boy. And um, I've had the privilege of meeting Milt. And Milt has three sons. And Jason is in attendance today, so he can, he can feel what it's like to be the the second son of a three-son three, three son family, is that right? Okay, so imagine being David and being the last of eight or nine boys. I mean, this is the whole basketball team and everyone else. Remember when Samuel came to find the next king when Saul was messing up? He went through all of the boys, and then he said, do you have anyone else? And, and Jesse says, Jesse, David's father, says, oh, yeah, there's one more. He's out in the field taking care of the sheep. Let's be clear on one thing. There is certain stuff that we understand that runs downhill. 
And the youngest usually gets what's left over. And what's left over in this case is taking care of the sheep, which in Israelite terms was the dirty job. You've seen that thing on TV, dirty jobs. Okay, well, taking care of the sheep was considered the dirty job. So let's give it to little brother. Okay, that's, that's how it went. But we meet, we meet David, and, and, and he is, we're told that he's wild, he's ruddy. Ruddy, what is ruddy? Red? Well, I think at that moment when he's seen for the first time by Samuel, yes, he is red-faced. Why? Because he has run in from the field where he was keeping care of the sheep. So he's like puffed. He's, he's red-faced. <laughs> he's an excellent shot. Now, I live in the great state of Nevada. And in my church, at any given moment, there are at least five to seven people packing. I have a deacon who stands in the left corner when he's in church who does not sit down. And he wears a loose shirt. And he is ex-military. <laughs> it's a fact of life in Nevada. People carry. And they're, pr they're proud of it. They're very proud of it. David is an excellent shot. He's a, he's a singer and a songwriter. At least one person in this house should appreciate that. He's fearless, but he's the youngest. And so what runs downhill becomes his job. He's taking care of his father's sheep. What's he doing? Oh, I think there was a lot of sling practice. You don't get to be a slinger like David was without practice. He's doing music practice. Uh, my wife and I grew up in households where our parents decided we needed music lessons. Any children in the house today being, for sorry, uh, being afforded the opportunity to have music lessons? <laughs> my dear wife's mother, oh, my mother-in-law, she made her practice an hour of piano a day and an hour of violin a day. And I took seven years of piano and my mom said she only got one song out of it. <laughs> So he does his music practice every day. He's writing songs every day. This is a person like, uh, oh, like my friend Jordy. I wonder how she's doing in Boston right now. She's from Vancouver Island, BC on the West Coast. And now she's in Boston going to a music school. And uh, I think the snow might be two feet there now. Uh, I wonder how she's doing. But Jordy is the kind of person like David who is just bubbling with lyrics and tunes. I mean, it just comes out of her. She is literally writing a song or two a day. She cannot exist without music coming out of everything that she is. He's also running after the sheep, hence the you know, the good physique and the ruddy, ruddy complexion because they are always going astray. And then again, when he gets a quiet moment, there's praise and, practice, praise and prayer practice. And, and he's, he, he is, he's writing these, these psalms. We call them psalms. We, we, we call them this because they're really songs and they're really poetry. And if you didn't know this, you will know this after today. The entire Old Testament is meant to be sung. So I'm sorry if you don't like music. 
Maybe it's just that you don't like certain kinds of music, but the entire Old Testament, if you had to join some of our Jewish brothers and sisters today on Shabbat here in this town, you would hear the cantor. Instead of beautiful young ladies reciting scripture, you would hear the cantor singing scripture. So it's, it should not... Well, it, it's strange to us because we don't sing scripture all the time. We say scripture. So he's, he's writing these psalms. So I want to take you, you can take your Bibles out or you can take your phones out. And we're going to run through three, a, a nice little trilogy. Don't, don't, doesn't the, the, the movie industry just love trilogies? Okay. When one wears out, they come up with another one and they just call it a prequel. Really, I think it's just that their bank accounts have gone a little low, so they need something more, but God bless them. Um, Psalm 22, we're going to go 2, 3, 4. Kids, can you count with me? 2, 3, 4. If you can remember 2, 3, 4, then you can remember today what we talk about. Psalm 22, it's a dark, dark scene. It's it's anguish and terror. It begins with the words that Jesus then speaks when he is on the cross. So you must understand, this is a prophetic moment. David is outside. He is, he is now writing. He is, I believe, under inspiration. And God is giving him the very same words that he himself, because I believe that Jesus is God, that he himself will speak as he is on the cross. My God. My God, why have you forsaken? Verse 4, in you, our fathers trusted. They trusted you and you delivered them. Inference being, here am I. I'm trusting you the same way. You need to deliver me the same way that you delivered them. But, verse 6, but I am a worm. Yeah, that's high on your list of believing about yourself, I'm sure. I am a worm, not a man. Verse 7, all who see me sneer at me. They say, verse 8, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him because he delights in the Lord. Can you just hear the sarcasm? These are the very words, my friends, that the people surrounding the cross were saying to Jesus. Oh, he saved others. Why doesn't he just go ahead and save himself? Be not far from me, for trouble is here, for there is no one to help. God says, come, let us reason together. Your sins are going to cost somebody something. And then we hear this from the very lips of God as he is giving his life. But I want you to know that things change at the end of the psalm. And if you're reading with me, go to verse 26. 
The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. He's changed. He's now gone from anguish. He's gone to praise. And I want you to know that if you have a trouble like I have a trouble with faith, then please go to Jesus. Go to Psalm 22 and realize that Jesus is saying and thinking these things while he is hanging on the cross. So as I look out across this nation, as I look out across this world, and I see the stuff that is happening, and it seems to be happening so much more quickly, I need to know, God, are you with us? There is trouble afoot. There are people who are sneering. There, there's, there's the, and he is saying, you know what? Brother, sister, child of mine, I've been there. And this is, this is my attitude. You want to hear Jesus' attitude towards his father while he is being crucified? The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. All of the nations will worship before you. Verse 29, all of the, pro, the prosperous, all of the prosperous, what does that mean? Uh, it means the, those that look like they're doing really, really well. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. Verse 31, they will declare his righteousness to the coming generation. In other words, as they look to their children and say, you know who gave me all of this? You know who I have to thank for who I am today? Not me. God. To the people who will be born. In other words, this is a future look. He's, ha he's hanging on the cross, folks, and he's looking at us. To the people who will be born, he will show that he has performed it. He's done it. I don't know where that grabs a hold of you. But I know that I suffer from the same problems that Adam and Eve suffered from. And I've made the same choices. But I'm glad to tell you that Jesus comes to us today and he says, come, let us reason together. You're, you're in a broken relationship with me. It's not really going that well with you. You keep choosing to do things your own way. It's going to cost you. Do you really want it to cost you? Or are you going to accept what I have already paid? And then we come to Psalm 23. And I hope this gives you a new, a new vision of, of this psalm that gets used so many times in so many different places. But I want you to realize that Jesus is saying this psalm to you today from the grave. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He accepted the fleece so that he could look like you and me. 
He accepted to live in this world that is in rebellion against God and to be, as we have decided as Christians, 100% God and 100% man at the same time in this amazing thing that we call the Incarnation. He is seeing in terms that he knows very well. David, David is seeing these things. He's in vision right now. God is inspiring him. And he says, the Lord, he's now speaking the words of Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me in green pastures, food. He leads me beside still waters, drink, sustenance, and he restores my soul. Our very essence is under the, the leadership and guidance of God. This is right living. And, and, and all, it says at the end, and all for the Glory of God. Now, my friends, I, I, I don't even have to name the characters, but, but in recent weeks, you know we're part of the first hundred days, but in recent weeks, we are now realizing as Americans what it looks like to, to have the spotlight on somebody who wants the spotlight. But lest we point a finger, my friends, remember there are three pointing back. And, and maybe I'm dealing with one of those fingers myself today. It's for his glory. God does this, this thing. He doesn't do it for you. He does it for himself. Did I tell you already? God is lonely. He wants his children back. He is doing this for himself. He wants us back. And he will be the one who is glorified because, my friends, it's going to be all him. In fact, it is all him. Even though uh, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's my new name for earth. This is the valley of the shadow of death. Because... I mean, have you watched the movies? Have you, have you seen accidents maybe happen right in front of you? Do you have a, a testimony you could give right now about the thread by which our lives hang? Come on. We like to think we're safe. Maslow's hierarchy of needs says the very bottom one is safety. We do a lot to make sure we feel safe, don't we? Because we want to reach that self-actualizing. What? Maslow, what are you talking about? I'm still dealing with safety. Just a quick little piece of advice. Put your credit cards inside something that cannot be read by some app in someone's phone next to you. Lady told us the other day you are three times more likely to have your identity stolen 
than to have your car or your house broken into. Free advice. Office Depot has little sleeves. You can put them in and, or little purses or whatever so that nobody can get to your information. Just saying. It's like locking your front door. All right? It's what we're dealing with today. We're dealing with basic needs for safety. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, are you ready for this? Are you ready for, for the fist pump in the air from Jesus? This is now from the grave, folks. This is from the grave. He's in the grave. In Psalm 23, he is in the grave, and he says, I will fear no evil. That's in the face of the evil empire that thinks that it has been successful in killing the, the God of the universe. So successful that they were a little worried, and so they sent a hundred soldiers to guard the tomb. We've done it, we think. I will not fear evil. I will not pay attention to the evil empire. Your rod and your staff, he says, they comfort me. Uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. There are people who did not get what I get uh, as, as your son, God, but you are preparing a feast for me, and they are going to see, they're going to see this feast. They may not be participants in it, but they're going to see it. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, my life. I'm so glad that the kids saw today those measuring cups. <laughs> you know my latest thing? We sing that little song, fill my cup, Lord, I lift it. You know what he's saying to us? Get a dump truck. You're going to need it. I've got blessings for you. The cup is just not going to be enough. But it's our life. Open up your life. Let God bless you, people. Please. Uh, my cup runs over. And he concludes by saying, Surely goodness and, and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Behold, John says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins, the sin of the world. David is seeing the Lamb of God taking away the sins of the world. David is seeing the, the ultimate, the ultimate Passover Lamb. Come on now, people, you know that story. They stood around and they, they roasted that lamb and then they ate that lamb and then they picked up their baggage and they marched out of Egypt. I'm going to invite you in a moment to accept your boarding pass to march out of Egypt and into the promised land. But that's, that's coming. I will fear no evil for you are with me in faith. Jesus died. And this is, this is please, please don't leave here not understanding this. Jesus had to have faith in his father just like he is asking us to have faith. He did nothing that he is not asking us to do. He, had, he went to the cross and he went to the grave trusting his heavenly father, trusting in his identity as the son of man. Twenty-four. You ready? 
because this is where it really gets fun. This is what all the television stations, I mean, a death, sure, you know, if it's bloody, we want it to be on TV because that gets ratings. But now, if it's a coronation, I mean, if it, 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 I went to the, the Queen of England's 25th Jubilee many years ago. I mean, it's a big event, lots of television cameras from around the world. The story only gets, I think, more amazing. David is writing and singing. He's in a frenzy. He writes, the earth is the Lord's and everything that it contains, the world and, and, and all those who dwell in it. Verse 3, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who's good enough? Who is not sinful? Who has never said no to God? Verse 4, think about this every time you go to the bathroom and that little sign reminds you to wash your hands. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Anyone ready to, to, to claim that today? Perplexed, David is wondering, Oh yeah, there is one, there is one, yes, there is one. Verse 7, and here he goes. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, lift, that the, the king of glory may come in. Verse, verse 8, who is the king of glory? Now the gates are singing back, now heaven is singing back. Jesus is now ascending, he is resurrected, he is ascending into heaven. And, and so this is, this is where it gets amazing about the coronation. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle, the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Come now, the Bible says, let us reason together. Isaiah 1 verse 18. But after 18 comes 19. If you are willing... Isaiah says, or God says to Isaiah, through Isaiah, if you are willing and obedient. Oh, such a tough word for us Americans. Really, obedient. You will eat the best of the land. You want the best, folks? You want, you want everything that God can provide? He says, he says, you have to be willing and you have to be obedient. Verse 20, but if you resist, I don't love preaching this, I want you to know, but it's scripture. So you have to hear this. It's from God today. If you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. The Lord, in fact, it says the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So I believe, I believe these three Psalms bring to us the message the message, they, they focus on the fact that Jesus. This is my new phrase. You can have it if you want. Free. Jesus is the plan. We keep looking to the government and saying, what's the government's plan? I'm sorry. Don't look to the government. 
Jesus is the plan. He is heaven's plan for the salvation of humanity. Be reasonable. It's my appeal to you. God says, come, let's, let's reason together. Be, be reasonable. Choose life. Choose life. There's only one way to have, have eternal life. It's to accept God's plan, Jesus, and, and, and to live in his kingdom even though we live in the valley of the shadow of death. Are you hearing me, people? Even though we live in the valley of the shadow of death, we join Jesus and we say, no, I am not living. I am not living according to the evil kingdom. I am not honoring the ruler of the evil kingdom because he is my shepherd. He is my king. That's now. That's not the second coming. That's, that's now. Okay? So, I just have a question for you. What do you say? Are you ready to say, I serve the king. Jesus is my king. Come what may, he is my leader. He is my king. How many of you are willing to say that today? Yeah? He's my king. You happy about that? I, I hope you are. Because you know what? He's the plan of salvation in a person and in its entirety. And um, it cost heaven everything in its bank account. So there isn't going to be another plan. This is it. It's a good one. And according to John 3.17, it's for everybody, 16, 17, and it's not about judgment, but it is about calling us to obedience, calling us to loving relationship, connection with God and life. God bless you as you live this week in his name and in his kingdom. Amen.